Welcome to the Northeastern Next podcast, your channel for the latest alumni stories in Boston and beyond. In this show, we'll catch up with Northeastern alumni who are out there achieving what's next. podcasting the new blogging. Molly Beck thinks so. She's an avid blogger and author who founded Messy.fm after identifying a need in the market. Messy is a podcast creation site and one-stop shop for recording, editing, and publishing your own podcast. Hi, Molly. Thanks for being on the Northeastern Next podcast. Uh, You're our first remote caller all the way from the West Coast. Um, And first, I'd love you to tell me a little bit about your Northeastern background and how it kind of led you where you are today. Hi, Megan. I am so happy to be here. I love being involved in Northeastern after I graduated. So thank you so much for asking me to be on this show. In terms of my Northeastern background, on the academic front at Northeastern, I was a finance and entrepreneurship uh, major within the business school. On the extracurricular front, I was part of the entrepreneurship club. I was pretty involved in Greek life, especially my sorority, Sigma, Sigma, Sigma. And I did a couple of other club type stuff. Like I was very involved in Excel at Northeastern. So that was how I sort of spent my days outside of the classroom. I also did the co-op program. I did three co-ops at Northeastern. Um, My first was at Hay Group Boston. My second was at Dolan Media. And then my third was at Goldman Sachs. And I had a really positive experience in the co-op program, as I think everyone does. To be able to graduate with, you know, a year and a half of paid work experience is invaluable. And then finally, on the study abroad front, I did a dialogue trip to Northern Ireland. And I also did a trip over a winter semester to Hong Kong with the business school. Wow, that's, that's excellent. And so what was your first job when you graduated? My first job was working at a company that's no longer around. It's called Sales Connects. And I was, a, I was thinking it was sort of a marketing job when I went over there. It ended up being more of a sales job. I did a lot of telemarketing for them. And the reason that I went from My last co-op was at Goldman, more in the finance realm. My previous co-ops were also in that. And then to a more marketing sales oriented job as I was really working to get into the online sort of digital space. This was 2009 was when I graduated and social media was just happening. Twitter had just launched and I knew that's where I wanted to be. So I had to take sort of a little bit more non-traditional path. Most people probably don't go from a co-op at an iBank to a very small startup where you're doing a lot of telemarketing, but it was a good move for me because I got some work experience. I was able to keep working on my blog, which is something I started in college and sort of see where the marketing path took me. It also got me to New York, which is where I spent the first 10 years of my career. So you, yeah, you really pivoted kind of from finance more into this like marketing entrepreneurship space. And I'm really interested. Um, I know you ran the Forbes podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell me a bit about that and if how that kind of sparked your interest, maybe in your, your current passion for podcasting? Sure. So I worked at Forbes. I ran the Forbes podcast network. So what that is, is a network of 14 uh, different podcasts, all related to business and millennials and entrepreneurship. And I actually 
launched that project for Forbes. I, at the time I was previously, I was working at Venmo running marketing for them. And I just started to get super interested in the podcast space as a consumer. And I started to see a lot of parallels between my interest in blogging in like 2007, 2008, 2009, and then my interest in podcasting in 2014, 15, 16. And I started to think that the audio podcast industry was going to sort of mimic what happened in blogging and that there would be a moment that it sort of exploded. So while I was sort of mulling over those thoughts, I ended up getting connected to someone at Forbes for what at the time was probably just going to be like a one-off consulting gig as part of my I wasn't going to leave Venmo for it. I was just going to be a consulting gig I was doing, but I ended up sort of pitching the Forbes team that they should start a podcast network and they should hire me to run it. And that's how I moved over to Forbes full-time to do uh, Forbes podcasts. Wow. And so now your main venture is Messy FM mm-hmm. and exactly. it's a podcast creation and directory startup, right? So tell me more about that and what it took to create it, what it's really about. Well, following that through line, so I moved over to Forbes. We launched the network. We had Forbes podcasts is still around. I encourage anyone who's listening, if you're looking for some great podcasts to check out the Forbes network. And after I'd been there, we had some really great wins in our first year, but I started to have this nagging feeling because, well, I was working at Forbes and, you know, Forbes podcasts, we had resources and access to studios and producers and thinking, you know, just more access to people that could help us launch our podcast. At the same time this was happening, every time I went to events or conferences, people would sort of pull me aside and be like, I want to start a podcast, but I'm not a brand like Forbes. How do I do it? So I had this sort of like crazy long list of all the different things a new podcaster would need to start a podcast. You know, you have to download an auditing, uh, editing software, figure out a record, a way to record, figure out how to create show art, figure out how to host your RSS feed, where are you going to publish, how are you going to make money? And it was like up to eight different platforms just for someone to publish that first episode. So tying this back to the blog I had started, really the reason I was able to start a blog in college is because Blogspot and WordPress existed, which took care of all the technical backend stuff of starting a blog so I could just focus on the content. So I started to wonder, like, where is the WordPress for podcasting? Mm -hmm. Where is the site that lets people, you know, just worry about their content and then the site takes care of the backend? So that's when I left Forbes to start Messy and Messy is found at www.messy.fm and that's exactly what it is. It's a website that lets anybody start a podcast quickly and easily without ever leaving the website. A new podcaster can record, edit, create show art, add music from our music library, host their RSS feed, get analytics, run listener support, promote their show. We like to say that it's idea to iTunes in in minutes. And Messy has been alive for, or alive is a weird word, Messy <laughs> has been uh, launched, or I guess public, for a little over a year now. And we have, you know, thousands of podcasts on site, including many that are hosted by nonprofits and businesses and solo entrepreneurs. And I have been so pleased with the reaction to messy so far. And I still don't think we've hit the moment where podcasting as you is as ubiquitous as blogging, but I believe that we're headed there. Yeah. So what do you think is the future of this medium and podcasting? I know you think it's kind of the new blogging and like, what, what does this mean for people? Why should they kind of get into it? So I think that if you have, 
If you have any interest in starting a podcast, which I would assume if you're listening to this podcast, you're a consumer of podcasts. You listen to a couple every week. You have some that you're really dedicated to. And you're probably starting to think like, you know, I have an idea for a show or, you know, my best friend and I are so funny together (laughs) or, you know, I run a small business and I want to have a way to engage with customers and potential customers and share sort of the story behind our work or our mission. And if that, those feelings are sort of nagging at you, this is the time to start the podcast because we will see in three, four or five years, the people that have been able to create a mark in the podcasting space will be the ones that started now at the beginning before there was, I mean, think about it. If you started a blog today, it would be hard Mm -hmm. to make the transition to becoming a huge blogger just because there are so many blogs, same with YouTube. But if you started a blog back in 2007, you would have had years of an audience that sort of grew up with you. And the same thing is true as podcasting. If you are feeling that nudge right now to start a podcast, don't wait until it's 2022 and the market is way more crowded. Start today. Yeah, I think that's the case for any new channel, right? You got to get to the market first and and build from there. And so what was your blog back in college? I'd love um, to talk about that. And I know it led to a book deal, right? That is correct. My blog is called Smart, Pretty, and Awkward, and it's three pieces of advice, how to be smarter, how to be prettier, and how to be less awkward. I started it while I was on that co-op at Goldman, and the reason I started it truly is because the markets were sort of crashing. I, ha- I When I got the Goldman co-op, I assumed, whether that was true or not, that I would likely get a full-time offer after I graduated, and I would have this great career in finance, but then because the markets crashed and all the analyst classes and everything were being sort of dramatically slashed, I started to think about what are some other things I could do after I graduated. And because I'd always sort of liked writing and stuff, I decided that starting the blog would allow me to go on some sort of marketing interviews and at least be able to talk about how I could use social media, how I could write for an audience, you know, familiarity with some of like the blogging platforms, all stuff that Today, that would not really be a differentiator if you were like, oh, I can use Twitter. Like, no one would be like, oh, we should definitely hire you for this marketing job. But back in 2009, it was a little bit more special Mm -hmm. to have those things. So I had the blog. And after writing for a couple of years, I got approached by an agent. We shopped around a book proposal um, based around some of the blog's concepts. Never really got picked up or found a publisher that I felt like was the right fit. A lot of the publishers we talked to wanted to make it more dating oriented. And that wasn't something I wanted to do at the time. So the book project sort of kind of died probably like 2013. I sort of forgot about it, not forgot about it, but I put it on like a shelf in my mind and was like, oh, maybe I'll just write in my head. I thought maybe I would write a book when I was like 40 or 50 and I would write it more about business and it would be Hopefully I'd be having some sort of success by then and I could write some sort of business book. But then just like that, life happens. And I I did a, I do a lot of guest posting or writing for other outlets. You know, I've probably done it for hundreds of pieces over the years and I've never had anything go viral. But I wrote a piece um, for Forbes and I wrote it in like December, but they didn't publish it till March. And literally on one Tuesday morning, I woke up and they were like, hey, we po- we posted your article that you wrote about reach out strategy, like, you know, something like that. And then like three hours later, the article started going 
viral, which had never had happened before. And as soon as I realized that it was that was what was happening, I was like, this could be the book mm-hmm. idea. So I sent an email. By that time, I'd actually changed agents to somebody else. And I sent an email to my new agent. And I was like, I have the idea. Like, this is what's happening. And so we wrote up a proposal. And then the the book got sold, like, I think, like, less than two weeks later. But that had, that had definitely been a dream that I thought was quiet or sleeping for a while. And then it just sort of roared back to life. So that was really, I always think about that. Sometimes when you think it's just a normal average day, crazy things can happen. And so what is Reach Out about? Yeah, Reach Out is about how to build a community around your work. It's about networking. And it's the idea of sending one message every weekday via email or social media to somebody on the edge of your network. So it's a really simple concept. The book is the book is very tangible. It's very actionable. Lots of takeaways from it. It tells lots of stories, both of my own career, lots of emails from my own actual inbox, and then also lots of emails from other people and messages they sent to get the attention of both names we've heard of, like Richard Branson or famous people within industries or huge authors, but also people that we haven't heard of that were very impactful in people's careers or lives because someone took the initiative to send an email to connect. I think um, networking is this thing that's a little scary for a lot of people because they just don't know where to start. So it's really interesting how you kind of break it down. Like this doesn't have to be this giant, scary process. It's just really about reaching out to people, connecting and talking. And how has um, the Northeastern Network impacted your career of someone who's very apt at networking and reaching out? Yeah, Northeastern's been amazing to me. I would say that the first sort of big inflection point for me was one of the reasons I started, one of, when I look over my career, one of the things that was very impactful for me was starting the blog. And one of the reasons the blog got popular is because my sorority sisters at Northeastern were extremely supportive of it. They would share it with friends. They would talk about it. That sort of that early interest is what got, I got featured in the Boston Globe about eight months after we launched, in part because somebody knew somebody that read the blog. So That was sort of like having people that believed in my work from the very beginning that I had met at Northeastern. That was a huge inflection point for me. Then moving to New York, I got involved in the Northeastern NYU alumni group. I stayed in touch with a lot of people I worked with at co-ops. It was just very nice when I moved to a new city to have sort of like a bit of a Northeastern home in a new place. And then stayed in touch with a lot of my professors. Some of the things that they taught me, I think about almost daily. And then now with Messi, we have some of the investors are professors from Northeastern that still believe in me, which is amazing. That's excellent. And what would you, what advice would you give to someone who is, who says they're bad at networking or, I mean, besides getting your book and starting there, (laughs) but what advice would you give them? (laughs) Well, you can't be bad at networking. You just haven't found the way that works for your personality. Networking means millions of different things to different people. For some people, they shine when they walk into a crowded room and they can walk up to anyone and stick out their hand and have this great conversation. And within two hours, they have a new job offer. That's a small percentage of the population. It's definitely not me. But for most of us, things that we feel like we're bad at is just things that we haven't tried enough to get better at. And so one of the key tenets of reach out strategy is sending an email every single day because 
one, if you send an email every day, you can't get hung up on the idea that, oh, that person I emailed, you know, 40 days ago, never responded. I'm so bad at networking. No, like you've already forgotten about that. You've moved on. You have new people that you've been reaching out to. And two, you get better over time. You realize what works in emails, what subject lines resonate, who you should be reaching out to. It's, it's a snowball effect. So you can't be bad at networking. You just haven't done enough or you're thinking that networking is some narrow thing that involves walking into a conference and becoming like the person that everyone wants to know, which is hard to do for most mm -hmm. of us, including me. Definitely. I like that. It's it's not just one personality that is good at networking. It's really anyone can find their personal style. And um, so this is the Northeastern Next podcast. So I always like to ask, what's next for you? I know Messi is about a year old. What's What's on the horizon? Well, so I guess we're recording this in January. So my news resolutions for this year, the first is to continue growing messy. We're just closing right now on the business side. We're just closing our second investment round and we'll likely open our third this year. So doing a great job finding the right types of investors that want to be part of Messi's future. On the product side, we're about to launch some really cool features that connect brands to podcasters exclusive for messy podcasters that I'm super excited about. And I'm also just excited to see, this is my second year running the business. We have a larger team now than we did when we launched. I'm excited to see, hopefully when I'm thinking about this in January, 2020, I'll be thinking about how this year I really grew as a leader of the business and really was able to step into, step into the role of being able to lead a company well. So that's what I'm hopeful is next for messy That's over the very next exciting. year. So we have a couple minutes left. I'd love to ask a couple bonus questions. What is your favorite Northeastern memory? You know, my favorite Northeastern memory in the classroom is something that I think about all the time. I must think about it once a week. And it was actually at Entrepreneurship Club and Professor Ted Clark runs that club. And he one day was talking about something and someone raised their hand and said, well, I have a good idea for a business, but I don't want to tell anybody. And he said, hmm, okay, well, I have a really great idea. Let's build a time machine. And everybody was kind of like, what? Like that's a non sequitur. I'm not really following. And he was like, okay, so it's, we all agree that having a time machine would be a good idea. So it's not really about having a good idea because who here has went and built a time machine? Obviously no one raises their hand. And so the point he was making was you can have a really great business idea, but unless you're the one that goes and does it, don't be shy about sh sharing it. And I think about that a lot, especially because people often say like asking questions around as, especially as they're just getting started, should I have people be signing NDAs or and it's not really about who thinks of the idea, it's about who executes it. Mm -hmm. And that's true for whether it's an entire business or new product features or whatever. So I think about that a lot. It, everybody thinks a time machine is a good idea, but unless you've gone and built it, you don't really have rights to it. I really like that, especially I think entrepreneurship in general is about building community and you have to share ideas and talk about things in order to actually find those gems that are going to grow and be really great. You have to be reaching out. You do. <laughs> and um, besides the Northeastern Next podcast, do you have any favorite podcasts that you listen to regularly? Totally. So I do listen to a ton of podcasts because I try to make it a point to listen to three random podcasts every week from Messi's site. Plus I have podcasts that I just love to listen to. 
who I am a big podcast listener, a couple shows that I really have liked recently. I really like Selfie. It's two best friends that talk about sort of like the digital world and self-care in 2019 now. And it's just like a fun, just a fun, enjoyable podcast to listen to. And it's called Selfie. And then I also love the podcast Best of Both Worlds, which is about being a working parent and also having a big career. And that's something that I I really care about. So Selfie and Best of Both Worlds are two that I'm listening to a lot recently. Awesome. And so I guess that's kind of the end of our time. But um, thank you so much for talking to me today. Um, where can people find you, reach out, find Messy, any of your social that you want to tell people about? Sure. If they want to reach out to me personally, my handle on all social media is Miss Molly Beck, M-S-M-O-L-L-Y-B-E-C-K. They want to follow Messy on social. Our handle is Get Messy Now on every social platform. And if they want to start a podcast, they can go to www.messy.fm and start podcasting today. And what's perfect is actually back in October, you did a webinar with our Office of Alumni Relations telling all of the good tips and tricks of starting a podcast. So people can find that archived on our YouTube. And I'll I'll put this all in the show notes so people can access that. And I think that would be a great starting point. I did tune in myself, even though I had already started one, but it was very I helpful. Say, and you, nice. might have been, you might have been a little farther along in the process. <laughs> but it, it's great to listen to and kind of hear different perspectives because, as you said, there are a lot of ways to do this and you can always improve. But um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Megan. This was really fun. I hope you're enjoying season two of the Northeastern Next podcast. New episodes are released every other Tuesday. Check out our website, alumni.northeastern.edu slash next for links to get Molly's book, Reach Out, or check out our How to Podcast webinar. You can connect with Molly directly at Ms. Molly Beck on all social platforms. This is Megan Brisson from Alumni Relations. I would love to hear from you your questions, comments, or ideas for next guests. My email is listed on our website. See you next time.